and I was going to talk about something else. But here we are. <laughs> so jumping right in. And it came to pass, verse 1. Remember what I said last week? That the children of Moab, the children of Ammon, and the other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There comes a great multitude against us from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hezron Tamar, which is in Gedi. Now, um, a great multitude. Doesn't say how many that is, but it's a lot. And Jehoshaphat was a good king. He sought the Lord. But all challenges seem to have this in common. No matter what the situation, they are much more than we or us. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. And he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Jehoshaphat feared. That's often our first response, isn't it? Fear comes in many forms, but no matter what form it comes in, it seems to have this in common, this message. You're going to lose. You're going to fail. This isn't going to turn out too good for you. That's the message fear brings. It's especially tough to hear that message when you're a king or a leader and you're responsible for the welfare of many. But Jehoshaphat did the very best thing he could do. He sought the Lord. And all Judah came together to seek the Lord with him. How I'd love to see that in this country. Everyone lay aside everything and seek the Lord. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love to see it. Going on, and said, O Lord God of our fathers, aren't you our God, the God of heaven? Don't you rule over the kingdoms? All of his prayer in the next, through verse 9, seems to come out in the form of questions. Aren't you the God of heaven? Don't you rule over all the nations? Isn't all power and might in your hands so that none can stand before you? Didn't you drive out all the inhabitants of this land and give, it, give this place to the seed of Abraham, your friend, forever? Haven't we built this temple in your name? Saying whenever evil comes against us in any form, if we call on you in our trouble... In this place, you will hear and you will answer. You ever prayed like that before? I have. I've made my case before the Lord. The reason I'm here in the circumstances I'm in today 
is because I prayed and I obeyed you up to now. And for some reason, it doesn't look so good. So now what? Reading verse 10, And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inhabit. Now those you told us to spare are coming against us. We thought we could get along, but now we're enemies. Now I want to make one thing perfectly clear to everybody here today. I am not calling anyone who has ever come to this church an enemy whether they were in leadership or just a visitor, not one of them is the enemy. We have an enemy. The devil. Satan. He does not want us to succeed as a church. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, it says in John 10. What I want us to perceive this morning is that we're in a situation that requires divine help. Verse 12. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Oh, our God. Won't you help us? The Bible says judge, but we need more than a little help here. We are powerless here. What a great place to be. Powerless. It's the first step in every 12-step program. I am power. What? I am powerless over alcohol, drugs, food, sex, gambling, other people. You name it. That's the first step. We're not only powerless, but we don't know what to do. Now we're getting somewhere. I had a mentor named Aaron. I mentioned him last week. And once he told me, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. At least that way, you're not working against God. Not knowing what to do is a good thing. So long as you're not doing what you don't know. Does that make sense? Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Which brings us to the richest phrase in this text. After rehearsing all the above, Jehoshaphat said, But 
Our eyes are upon you, our God. Now, if we could walk every day with this mindset, we would never stumble, nor have room to fear. Our eyes are upon you. Who? Almighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our Creator, Redeemer, our Warrior King, the Way, the Truth, the Life. I've just begun to scratch His titles. Our eyes are upon You, the One who is worthy of our focus. The one we call the Lord, not a, the. You know, he calls the end from the beginning. I'll bet there's a lot of football fans wish they could do that. He is our help and our hope when our eyes are upon him. Does anyone remember the most important thing I said last week? I do. Our God is a living factor in every situation. Our God is a living factor in every situation. Never calculate without Him. Verse 13 says, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. It is so important that we don't shield our little ones from what's going on in our lives. The reality of our situation. We need to be real in front of them. They may not need all the details, but they do need to see your faith and your walk through times like this. They're watching. That's the high road that I talked about last week. No fret, no fuss, only focus on the Lord. So what happened in this story? Then upon Jehaziel, the son of, and it goes on with all who he is, but he was a Levite, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken, all Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord unto you. Are you listening? Be not afraid, nor dismayed, because of this great company. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go up against them, Behold, they come by the cliff of Ziz, and and you will find them by the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. I like that. Set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, your God, with you. O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not. Don't be dismayed. 
Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. So, don't be afraid or dismayed because of this great, you fill in the blank. Why? Because this battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. You know, I've sure wasted a lot of time and treasure fighting battles that were not mine to fight. Huh, Donna? (laughs) Just kidding. My God is a zillion and oh. Pretty good record. He's never lost a battle. He never will. Every battle I've ever lost had this common denominator. I was in control. Every battle that is won has this common denominator. God is in control. Our eyes are upon you. We are watching you, God, knowing that you care how this comes out. Verse 17 is another key to victory. He says, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Man, is that hard on the Western Colorado male ego. Stand still and watch. Now, doesn't God need Jeff's help? Nope. That same mentor, Aaron, had me write a sign. It was about this big. Put it on my mirror, my bathroom mirror. He said, so you see this every morning before you leave the house. I do comb my hair once in a while. It said this. Dear Jeff, I do not need your help today. Thank you, God. (laughs) I am not qualified, nor do I have the overall vision of God. I'm only to play the role he assigns. And so is everyone under the sound of my voice. Fear not, he said. Now, how do I know I'm in fear? Well, one way is I feel I have to be doing something. Helping without direction. Tomorrow go out against them is the command. Just suit up and show up. For the Lord will be with you. We have nothing to fear. And Jehoshaphat heard the Lord. How do we know? He bowed his head with his face to the ground, and so did all of Judah, and what? Worshiped the Lord. Our focus is not on our problem. It is on you, God. Worshiping is attributing to God his due. It's giving God his rightful place. That's worship. Now, verse 20 and 21 are really interesting. He says, And they rose up early in the morning and went forth to the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. 
so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now, believe in the Lord. No frills, only believe. Then praise the beauty of holiness. Now, the Secretary of Defense has never called me to find out what we should do about North Korea or Iran or ISIS. I'm not a military strategist, but I do know enough to believe that if you go into battle, the army goes first and the band comes later. Make sense to you? Not this time. The singers went before the army. And, starting in verse 22, when they, they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. That's a King James word for wiped out. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Sir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Sir, Everyone helped to destroy one another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away, and they were three days in gathering the spoil. Now, again I remind you that the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sur are not symbolic of any person or persons who has ever darkened the door of that church, of this church. I want you to look at them as a situation rather than a person or persons. So what happened? When they began to praise the Lord, the whole insurmountable situation changed without one person having to draw his sword. Not one. No one had to take a life. Suit up and show up was all they were required to do. And it says it took three days to collect the spoil. That tells me that doing things God's way pays very well every time. When we have our eyes upon our God, he will change every situation for his glory and ultimately for our good. When we take matters into our own hands, we are asking for trouble. 
One sure way to know if my eyes are upon him is by what comes out of this. Where the pie goes in. Whatever I'm dwelling on on the inside will eventually make it out in my words. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Keeping my eyes upon him means that I am totally turning the outcome of this thing over to our amazing God. This requires faith. That he has a plan and he will do what is best for everybody involved, even the little ones. When you think about it, having no power, not knowing what to do, Keeping our eyes upon him is really the best place we could be. And it's an inside job for me to get to know him more in a more intimate way and to leave situations I face in his hands. You want to know his plan for you, for your family, for this church? You're going to have to wait and see. But we do have promises throughout his word. 2 Corinthians 2, Paul writes, The eye has not seen, nor the ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That's us. You can't imagine what he has for you. But you know it's good. Very Very good. So let's keep our eyes upon him during this time. Thanks for listening. Let's pray. Father, throughout all confusion, throughout all change, you are still our God. Keep our eyes upon you. Keep our mouths and our bodies and our actions and our attitudes in line with you, our amazing God. And we leave the outcome to you, knowing that you have for us things better than we could imagine. Because we love you, and even more important, you love us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand for our final hymn. A mighty fortress is our God. Mm